0: I want to welcome you today. So good to see you. Um, we are this morning in Romans chapter fifteen. If you're new with us today, we're we're in a series through Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and uh, if you are if this is your first day at LifePoint, you only have forty six messages to catch up on. Um, we and uh, you actually can do that on our on our website at mylpclacy.com. You can uh, listen to every message for every series we 've just about that we 've ever done here and um, so, if you'd like to catch up again, you can download those messages to your device and as I always say it 's better to do that because if, when you 're when you 're listening you don 't have to look at me and and that's that 's a blessing so we actually after today only have two more messages in romans and and then we 're done and and then we 'll we 'll move on to the next thing but been a long haul, been a good haul. I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope that God has spoken to you through these messages. Um, my goal today in, in this passage that we're going to be examining is really just to kind of give you an overview of the passage, uh, hit the high points, and then uh, bring it to kind of an unusual uh, point of application that's pretty close to home for us today. And so uh, our tradition here at LifePoint is to stand to honor the scriptures as we read it together. So would you join me as we do that? I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, In the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor "'among the saints at Jerusalem. "'For they were pleased to do it, "'and indeed they owe it to them. "'For if the Gentiles have come to share "'in their spiritual blessings, "'they ought also to be of service to them "'in material blessings. "'When therefore I have completed this "'and have delivered to them what has been collected, "'I will leave for Spain by way of you. "'I know that when I come to you, "'I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ.' In this passage, Paul really kind of gives us a, an overview, kind of an understanding of, of his ministry at this point in time. Um, there are some broad strokes in here that have to do with the full sweep of his ministry, but then some things that are very specific to uh, what he was about at that, this moment in time to which he's speaking. And I just want to make a few observations about his ministry with you. Uh, as they inform our ministries today. The first is that Paul's ministry was a priestly ministry. A priestly ministry. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In verse 14 there, Paul affirms the Roman believers as to their character, uh, their knowledge, presumably their knowledge of the word of God, the, the, the will of God. Uh, and for their spiritual maturity he says you're able to instruct one another uh, one of the marks of maturity spiritual maturity is when you you stop being primarily a recipient of the ministry of the church the ministry of the gospel and you turn and take responsibility for that ministry and that's what Paul sees in the roman believers He expresses confidence in them. He says he's written them for two reasons. The first, he says, is to remind them of some things they already knew regarding the gospel. He's talking now about the the whole of this letter that we've studied, to remind them of some things they already knew. Uh, The Roman church was not a super new church. Of all the churches that... That Paul had planted Romans was not, or Rome was not one of them. Uh, he didn't plant that church in Rome. And so he doesn't know them well, but he's heard their reputation. And he's writing to remind them of things they already knew, which calls to mind the, the responsibility of the apostles in general, which was to articulate the essence of the gospel to the, the church as it was growing and emerging. Uh, the, the role of the apostles was to lay a foundation. Of sound biblical faith that would inform the church of that day and continue to inform the church even through today. The second reason that he's writing has to do with his unique role as an apostle to the Gentiles. And here Paul employs the language of the temple. Let me just add this very quickly. Rome, as an apostle to the Gentiles, you you may not understand that phrase, but Paul's particular calling, you you may recall that he was converted on his way to Damascus uh, to persecute the church. This was before he was a believer, and he encountered the risen Christ who commissioned him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. To bring non-Jews into the kingdom of God. Um, so that's his unique calling. And here he employs the language of the temple. He views himself in the role of a priest offering sacrifices to God. But in this case, the offering he brings is the Gentile believers themselves. And his prayer is that they will that they will be received and accepted by God as an acceptable sacrifice. Now, he's not talking about sacrificing the Gentiles, okay? He's offering them as a sacrifice. He's he's presenting them as an offering before the Lord. And he's not talking about the sacrifice that that earns their salvation or, or atones for their sins. He's not talking about that at all. But he views himself as a priest, and he says, he, his prayer is that they'll be received and accepted by God as an acceptable sacrifice. And, and notice the phrase he uses, made holy uh, by the Holy Spirit, acceptable to God. And that really echoes, doesn't it, the language of Romans 12.1? where Paul says, therefore, my brothers, as he's finished all of his doctrinal teaching in the letter to the Romans, and he he turns now to the practical, and the first thing he writes is is this, "Uh, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the grace of God, to present your bodies as an acceptable sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Same language he's using here, holy, made, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, And acceptable to God. Because it's offered in the name of Jesus. He's the one who makes us acceptable to God. Paul's ministry, secondly, was a powerful ministry. He goes on in verses 17 to 19. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished "...through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ." Notice verse 17. Paul says, "...in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God." Is it okay to be proud of your work for God? Take pride in it. I think so. That's what Paul said. I'm not going to argue with him. I think it's okay to be proud. Why? In what sense? I think you should take pains to give God your very best. Invest your giftedness. Invest all the things that he's invested in you. Back into ministry. Back into people. And then in that to have a sense of satisfaction. That you have fulfilled your ministry. Notice... Paul qualifies this statement. He says that it is in Christ Jesus that he has reason to be proud of his work for God. It's in Christ, not by himself, in Christ. And then he adds, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So the pride is in that sense of having left it all in the field, as it were, as Hopefully the athletes this afternoon in the Super Bowl will do. They'll, they'll give it everything they got for, for four quarters. And the, and, and the goal is to leave it all in the field. I think that's the picture Paul paints here. In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul said this, As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So Paul says, hey, what I'm all about is letting Christ work through me to bring Gentiles to faith in Christ, to bring them to obedience. And in that I take great satisfaction. He's given the fulfillment of his ministry all that he's got. But here's what else he knew. He knew that his very best efforts by themselves wouldn't ever come close to being enough if it was not Christ who was at work in him and through him. And that's really the message of verse 18, what Christ was accomplishing through Paul, he describes in verse 18 as bringing the Gentiles to obedience. No one believes in Jesus and becomes an obedient disciple apart from the direct work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Convicting of sin, transforming the heart, regenerating the life, all of it. All of it is accomplished from first to last by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, word and deed, signs and wonders, power of the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit working powerfully through him to bring the Gentiles to faith in Christ, obedience to him. And Before we leave this section behind, notice with me how Paul defines the goal of evangelism which again is bringing the Gentiles to obedience. And clear back in chapter 1, remember that several years ago? Verses 5 and 6, Paul described the origin of his calling that through Christ, he had received both grace and apostleship. That was, those were his words. Both the enablement and the office to bring the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. Paul's goal in evangelism wasn't merely some kind of conversion experience, but completely changed lives, complete transformation. And he wants people who are obedient toward God. He wants people who are holy toward God. And In other words, the object of evangelism is is not to be reduced, as we often do, to enticing someone to respond to an altar call. The goal of evangelism is not merely praying a prayer of response. Instead, Paul wants us to understand that the the goal of evangelism must be to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his great commission, said, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Obey, sorry, obey everything I have commanded you. The goal of evangelism is the transformation of a life to the point that they become submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, we can't ever, none of us can say we've been evangelized until... That process really begins to form in our lives. So Paul accomplished lots of things. For example, he was probably the greatest theologian in the history of the church, probably the greatest theologian in the history of the world for that matter. But his work as a theologian was not what brought him pride. It wasn't the thing that he gloried in, the thing he was most excited about, the thing that woke him up every morning, that kept him awake, I'm sure, at night, was seeing people through his ministry pass from death to life and becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Notice then, third, that Paul's ministry was a pioneering ministry. A pioneering ministry. Paul has just reported that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Now that name Illyricum may mean nothing to you, but Jerusalem, Israel, you know this, is on the east end of the Mediterranean Sea. So if you See, I'm doing this from your side. So the the east end of the Mediterranean Sea. So if you go up around the northern part of the Mediterranean, eventually the Adriatic Sea does that, right? And it pokes north, those of you who know your geography. And that area of the Adriatic Sea, uh, the eastern part of the province of Macedonia was known as Illyricum. And some some names that you'll recognize in that area would be uh, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, that area of the world. So there was a geographical strategy to Paul's missionary efforts. And he goes on in verses 20 to 22, he says, Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. See, and if you don't grasp this motivation in Paul's life and ministry, you probably ever, won't ever really understand Paul and what, what made him tick. He was always about taking new ground for the gospel. That's what drove him. He under, didn't understand his calling as, as spending most of his existence, as I do, building up people who are already converted. That's the role of the pastor. Or trying to conjole those who have heard the gospel into believing it. (laughs) His passion was to go to places where no one had ever heard the gospel at all. Never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard his reputation. Never heard the message. And that points really, doesn't it, to the essential difference between the temperaments and the gifting of pastors and apostles are missionaries. Missionaries are obsessively driven to preach the gospel in places where the name of Christ is not known and has been, never been heard. And Paul's strategy focused then on urban environments. Urban environments. Many of the letters he wrote that are familiar to us um, are familiar because... They made their way into the collection of books of the New Testament. They bear the names of cities, Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica, all cities, all major cities. And some people have contested Paul's claim to have fulfilled his calling of preaching the gospel from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum because he didn't evangelize every town or village. You often ter- hear the term these days in, in books on evangelism. You, you'll hear at some point the expression saturation evangelism, which means that you've you've preached the gospel in every possible place. Um, that wasn't the way Paul understood his ministry. That wasn't his concern because Paul understood that it's the city, the city that influences the surrounding areas. It's the city that that impacts a region. And so he his prayer and his intent and his understanding was that the gospel would expand organically from from the population centers out into the countryside. Paul knew this that the person who was successful in winning the cities would in the end win the world. His strategy then focused on church planting in those cities to evangelize until a vital, growing network of house churches was developing. And Paul would build up leaders, and then he'd hand the ministry over to them. And at that point, he considered his work to be done Complete in a particular region, then he'd move on to the next major city today, in the United States in two thousand and twenty by the way, do you know that today is an unusual date in history o two o two twenty twenty the same in reverse, kind of cool, huh? You heard it here. Just a little trivia. Change your life. Today in America and increasingly around the world, the most effective strategy that we have for evangelism in any community involves planting churches. More people are coming to Christ through new church plants than through any other avenue of evangelistic effort. Finally, Paul's ministry was a practical ministry, practical ministry. Paul Paul had a practical plan for the next steps in his ministry. He was writing, we think, from the city of Corinth. His intent was to pioneer new territory for the gospel by going to Rome on his way to Spain. Rome wasn't the goal, Spain was. In the meantime, however, he needed to return to Jerusalem to deliver an offering that he had received from the Gentile, primarily Gentile churches in the provinces of Macedonia and Achaia, the area that we today think of as Turkey, to the primarily Jewish church in the city of Jerusalem. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you now in passing. As I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So you see, Rome was a was intended to be a brief stopping point on his way to Spain. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints from Macedonia and Achaia, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings... They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So as his was a practical ministry, he really had two expectations or two practical requests. And I just want you to see them, two of them, uh, in verses 24 and 30. And the first one in verse 24 is that he hoped for financial support. Financial support. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped in on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So he hoped that they would help him financially. Paul operated on what we might call a very narrow margin financially, and uh, he was he actually made tents. It's become a uh, you know a, a metaphor for other things in today, but he was a tent maker. And people lived in tents, and so he was a home builder. But he made his money that way. He made his money that way and by the support of the churches that kept him going. Every missionary enterprise, every church planting effort needs financial supporters. Paul's comment regarding the Macedonian and Achaean churches in verse 27 expressed his philosophy. He said, if the Gentiles have come to share in there, that is the Jewish believers, spiritual blessings, then they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. The advance of the gospel must continue, Paul would say. Those whose lives have been blessed and transformed by it spiritually bear a responsibility to support it materially, to support it financially. And then he hoped for partnership in prayer. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers for God on my behalf. <clears throat> that word strive is the, the word agonize. As it was a word that was used in, in with regard in those days to wrestling, um, to hand-to-hand combat. Uh, it's a warfare kind of posture. Strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea as he was going back there to Jerusalem. There were people who would want to do him in and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And, and it and appears maybe there was a little question there. How is how the church in Jerusalem going to feel about receiving this financial gift that had been sent by the Gentile churches in Macedonia and Achaia? so that, he says, by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. The ministry will go on. You know, studying this passage over the past week triggered a, an explosion of memories for me, an explosion of thoughts, reflections, feelings from the experience of planting Life Point Church over 12 years ago. I knew that we would need financial support. That came through various churches and individuals all over the state of Washington. Um, as well as through the team that God had assembled uh, to plan and then launch what would become Life Point Church. There was a time when I said to everybody, okay, now's the time. You need to start giving to this new church. And, and they did, and they gave generously and have continued to do that. I knew that we needed prayer partners who wouldn't simply promise to pray or just check a box on a card, but who would actually pray. And again, that came through churches and individuals all over the state of Washington, across the United States, and literally around the world. God worked, and he's still working by his power to sustain us, to advance our mission here in Thurston County. And we now have another couple here at LifePoint, in whose hearts and minds God has been working in a similar way, who have heard the call to pastoral ministry, who are hoping to be able to plant a new church through LifePoint in the coming year or so. And uh, we, as a church, from the very beginning, have said we would be about multiplication, that we wanted to be a church planting church. And up till now, that dream has not come to fruition, but it, it seems that it may be now. I want to invite Matt Sidley to come up here. Welcome, Matt. <coughs> Heaven provided stools, so we can look cool on stools mm-hmm. so church planning
1: yes, church planning
0: what, tell us about how God has moved in your life, uh, just in terms of your sense of calling and giftedness, how the way that Christ typically works th- through you, and uh, maybe a little bit about your ambition for ministry.
1: With the calling, uh, it was last year, beginning of last year, Jim did like a vision series kind of for the upcoming year, and he was talking about our core beliefs, and when he talked about multiplication, you know, that we hadn't planted a church yet, um, and that was one of those things where I was just like, man, like we haven't done this yet, like we've multiplied, other people have come to know the Lord, like we're, we're growing in that sense, but we haven't planted a church yet. Uh, and then, through my thinking about that and and, and praying about that, the Lord was just like, "Well what have you Matt what have you done about it?" And I was just like, "Well, let's just dismiss that, you know, move on to the next thought um, And then, later this last year, um, Scott Fiskness you know called me and was like, Matt, I want you to come over why don't you come over to my house and we'll hang out and we'll play Nintendo and have some taco bell and I was just like, "Taco Bell and Nintendo." I'm there after work, like I'm coming. So I get to his house, and I brought the Taco Bell, and when I got there, there was no Nintendo hooked up. And, and just so the second I came in, I was like, there's something else going on here than what he was promised. And uh, and he was just like, Matt, I want to talk to you about church planting. And uh, so, you know, we had like an hour and a half conversation and, and time of prayer about church planting um, and just encouraging me in doing that. And, you know, when I heard that, it was just like... I had heard that before previously, you know, my grandfather had said like, hey man, I think you should be a church planter. I just kind of brushed that off like, oh, that's my grandfather being supporting and loving and, you know, it's just my grandpa, he doesn't count. And even years before, Luke Brandon, uh, he and his family are now up north, he had asked me once, he said, man, what have you ever thought about or considered being a a church planter? And at the time when he asked me, the answer was no, not interested in that. (laughs) No, 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 no. And uh, so as I was thinking about it, and that's where, you know, you know, Scott had asked me these things, and it was just like, well, you know, do you consider it the Lord's moving that numerous people have asked you this? And I didn't necessarily see that it's valid at the time, and then through kind of the, the time going forward, looking in the scriptures like Bartimaeus when he called out to Jesus uh, in his story, you know, it was the people that relayed the message to Bartimaeus that Jesus is calling you. Go to Jesus. He's calling you. I was just like, well, maybe this is valid. And uh, so we kind of started to get the ball rolling and, and talking with, you know, talking to Jim, brought this to Jim's attention, like, hey, we're thinking about this, we're praying about this. And, uh, and you know, so kind of, you know, hey, like, let's talk to the denomination with Converge, talk with them, and, and kind of, you know, and the, their biggest thing is, like, is developing this calling first. Like, you, if you're going to do this, you got to make sure you know that the Lord is telling you to do this. And and uh, so from, you know, that was one I had kind of one of those uh, temper tantrum prayer times with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had those where, you know, I have, I have some things I want to talk to you about, Lord. And, and I was sitting in my parents' house on a swing and, and my, uh, you know, just like, Lord, I want this calling. Like, I want this miraculous thing where, you know, like, you know, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, light this stool on fire. You know, rain down some fire right here so I know that this is from you. Like, this is what I want. Uh, that wasn't my actual request, but it was of the same vibe. And uh, my buddy from, he was the best man at my wedding. He called me while I was sitting there. And he said, uh, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. So I told him. And uh, he, he was down in L.A. and he was at a beer festival, so he was a little tipsy. And uh, so he told me, he said, Matt, this is the edited version. He said, he's known me my whole life. He said, Matt, you need to stop being an effing pansy and go plant an effing church. And that ended the call, and I was just like, Lord, did you just swear at me? <laughs> like, Which, as I think about it, I was thinking about in between services. The only other time that I, I, I could say that I felt that I heard the Lord speak to me, like audibly, it was in a sense of humor. And then I was just like, you know, this where I go, Lord, this would definitely speak to me if this was you speaking this way. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, 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 there's just been so many things like that that have been happening where I go, Lord, is, is this you? Is this you? And along the way, the Lord has just been like, yes, this is, this is me. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And, and um, yeah, so, like, we're just moving that way in towards the, the, the giftedness. It's one of the things. Normally, wherever we go, we've been involved in leadership. It's always been a desire for me to live a life worthy of the calling of being an elder of God's church. Um, You know, we did a sermon series a few years ago, I think now, about, you know, the qualifications of an elder and what it's, you know, that we should all strive to live lives of that nature that we could, you know, be called upon and say, hey, we need you to be an elder of our church. Um, And so it's always been, you know, kind of a striving for me that I've been going for. And, you know, Jim has been uh, generous to, you know, share the pulpit up front for me getting the opportunities to come and share sermons when he needs vacations and days off and breaks and uh, which is very generous. There are other churches that you know pastors don't want to share the pulpit because you might come try to steal it or something. Um, and uh, so, just yeah, that that whole process has just been driving us forward towards it.
0: Cool. So, week from tomorrow, Matt and Emily are going to Orlando, Florida. Do you feel sorry for them? No. <laughs> <laughs> The reason they're going is that uh, the, the network of churches that we are a part of, which is called Converge Worldwide, offers an assessment process for prospective church planters, and it's a week-long group process, individual process, that he's already done a whole bunch of work for and sent it to them, uh, but over, what is it, four days, five days?
1: It's technically three full days. It's a half day, two full days, and a half
0: day. Okay, so, three
1: full days over
0: a five day period. Well, Marcy and I did, it was like four or five days, so you're a wimp. But. Um, <laughs> they've just
1: refined no, their just process.
0: Kidding. But um, people who have been heavily involved in church planting have, a, have de- determined that there are about 16 characteristics that they've identified that are pretty essential for a church planter to have. And um, so over this period of time as they're there uh, they're going to be being assessed for those characteristics and at the end of that they'll get a uh, kind of a verdict (laughs) and you sweat it at the end what are they going to say but basically they're either going to give you a green light and say yeah you should go plant a church or a, a yellow light that says yeah we think you probably would be successful but here's some things we really think you need to work on before you take that step or the third thing would be a red light and just say, you're really not wired to be a church planter. Don't ever try this. Um, so, what is it that you're, that you're kind of thinking about? What would have been some of your thoughts or your anticipations regarding that process?
1: Yeah, the idea of being a pastor is an exciting idea for me. The idea of being a church planter is a terrifying one. <laughs> yeah, it should be. And... Uh, so, you know, with this, the purpose is like, we want, you know, if we're going to do this, I want counsel from the wisest possible people we can get. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, our denomination has this, you know, program that they put forward. So it's like, yeah, let's do this. We want, you know, I want all their wisdom and expertise that comes from, you know, the resources that they have that I don't have. Um, and the process is definitely going to be huge. You talk about, you know, they've, they've asked for all my financial information, all my job history, uh, spiritual leadership skills, you know, like leadership profiles, psychological evaluations. I've filled out forms. I don't even know what they're looking for, but they're looking for something. And uh, so it's definitely very intimidating. And, uh, you know, so but, they, but, yeah, at the end they're going to say, you know, we, you have our blessing or, you know, you, you have our blessing, but we, we need to see X, Y, and Z, you know, first, or no, this isn't good for you, which uh, we're okay with any of those answers, Because if they identify something in me when they say this is a major red flag, you know we like you, but this is a major red flag. We don't think you should do it. Then I want to be, you know, stopped at the starting line, so to speak, rather than finding that out six months from now, a year from now. Um, So we want it. It would suck to hear that. You know, it's one of those things. But if they had a reason like that, I'm hoping it would jive with what the Holy Spirit is, you know, speaking to me and Emily and our congregation and body. That it would make sense. Like, okay, you know, this is, you know, let's halt the brakes or. You know, right now we feel that the Lord is coming. I could see maybe a yellow light, just because I know myself. There's always things to work on, right? Um, but you know, just in pursuing this direction.
0: What does Paul, as we look at the passage just now, talked about his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ uh, is not known, the name of Jesus has never been heard, the gospel's never been heard. What does that look like in Southwest Washington today? Uh, how many people are there, realistically, who have never heard the gospel uh, here in our region?
1: Yeah, we, well, we live in a society now that lots of people would say they've heard about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. But like you said, Jim, in your question, how many people would say they know what the gospel is, that they've heard the gospel? Because oftentimes people can hear about Jesus without having the gospel attached to it.
0: Yeah, it's a curse word. Man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. You know, and that's where I go. So we live in a society that, here in our region, and our, in the, where we live, there are a lot of people that don't know the good news about Jesus Christ. They haven't heard the gospel. You know, so there are plenty of opportunities here in this community, and here, you know, Olympia, Lacey, Tumwater, this area, you know, it's this is one of the big cities that Paul would have been targeting. You know, um, and you know, so that's where kind of you know his you know his ministry and his passion. Where I go, we have the opportunities here. To, to share the good news about Jesus with people that have not heard it, mm-hmm. um, that have not heard it, and that uh, just one of the major bridges for that, this is one of the things that really excited us about when we first came to Life Point when, well before we came to Life Point, when I met with Jim when we were thinking about moving here, as Jim one of the, you know, one of the visions that he had for, our, uh, for Life Point was that we 'd be a church that uses service as a platform for the gospel. Um, And that's one of the things that we definitely want to continue to be about. If we plant a church, we want to be a church that uses service to the community as a platform for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of those things that, you know, what does that look like? And just, you know, even today, like the announcement for the labor of love, you know, it's like we serve a community. And we're given an opportunity that you can increase your sphere of influence with people. And in your increased sphere of influence and your plantedness and your rootedness with the church and God and and the the Holy Spirit working through you, he's going to give you opportunities to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'm always curious, things like this, the labor of love, where you go, man, I'm just standing there with a flyer saying, hey, could you help, you know, pick up a few groceries to help a homeless student? How many people do we have that are volunteering during that time are going to encounter someone that they know from work? Or they're a social club or they a sports team that says, hey, why, you know, why are you standing outside Walmart, you know? And we can give the easy answer like, oh, I am just helping out with a charity, you know, or we can give the answer that, hey, you know, we're here because, you know, Jesus loves these kids and loves these people that we're serving, and I want to be a part of what he's doing in our community. And they say, hey, what are you talking about? Well, let's talk more about it, you know? It's like that that evangelism that can happen in this area where people get to tangibly see God working in our community through us.
0: So, Assuming that, and, and that's great, by the way, awesome. Get me excited just talking about it. Assuming that you and Emily emerge from a, this assessment in Florida with a green light, which I think you probably will, um, what, what will you be hoping for in terms of Support from Life Point and whether financially, materially, in prayer, what are you looking for?
1: Well, I've, I've talked with a handful of people, and uh, they're like, you, you want to go? Like, we're just about to get a building, right? We saw the pictures. And they're like, you want to go to setting up? for a church, like, all over again. <laughs> and part of me is like, no, that's not necessarily, I'm not looking forward to that, and that's where I go, and I don't know what it, it, the future holds for us specifically, but I go, if we're going to plant a church and we're going to be mobile, I'd, I'd turn to Jim and LifePoint and say, hey, can we have your mobile stuff? You know, like, do you need those trailers anymore? Do you need that truck anymore? Do you, you know, do you need this sound equipment? Like, I don't know what new sound stuff's going, like, wh- what do you have that's mobile that we could have? And uh, then we don't have to, you know, buy that at one less expense, and uh, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, it could also involve with, you know, we're just we're, just, we're spitballing ideas here. It, it could be that we have start out with a Saturday night service, and I say, hey, Jim, you have a nice new building. Could we use your building for a little bit while we start a Saturday night service to get started? You know, I don't know. Um, in terms of, like, financial support, you know, uh, listening to the sermon twice now has got me more thinking about this. It could be time in our in our infancy where we say, "Hey, you know, we have you know a financial need, you know, as our you know planting church. Could you help us out with this?" And but at the same time, I was just thinking as we're as we're listening to the passage, it was the new believers that were supporting mm-hmm. Israel that were supporting Jerusalem. And I go, "How cool would it be too if we plant a church that we could still maybe even help contribute to?" paying off the loan for the building, you know, and that's where I go. That would be a dream for me where I go, we get to that point where we could even, you know, help out later, you know, with that because we would definitely want to use your building from time to time. That's for my son. (laughs) But uh, but one of the biggest things we're thinking about financial is I go, if we do this, we're going to – a handful of people have talked to me about wanting to to do this, Um, where if we put together a launch team to do this, we're going to be asking some of you to say, hey, would you – take this step of faith with us and do that, uh, you know, and be a part of what we're doing here, you know, wherever that may be, um, which, you know, as a financial cost would come from LifePoint, because eventually, you know, you'd come, if you were planting the church, eventually, like in Jim's story he shared, eventually we'd say, hey, could, we, could you start tithing towards the new church that we're planting? Um, and, you know, financial support in that way. Uh, but, and then prayer and partnership, that's one of the things... That'd be huge. We're starting that, you know, Scott and I, we've had a couple prayer meetings, and uh, I've shared with a few friends, and I've got some friends and some other people from other churches that are praying uh, for us about this as well. But we're going to do, um, we're going to have a prayer meeting. My life group meets on Sundays, and this Sunday's the Super Bowl, for those of you that don't know. Um, so we're busy this Sunday, but next Sunday we meet Sundays at 3 o'clock at, at Scott and at Tessa Fistness' house. We're going to have a prayer meeting. Um, about church planting and just going to the assessment. And would be I'd love to invite anyone that would love to come. Um, I'll talk with Jim and and Wendy about getting an announcement, like with the address in the bulletin for next week. Or if you want to talk to me, I can give you their address, text it to you. Um, But prayer, you know, it's it's so important. It's so beneficial. Uh, This time, as we get closer for us leaving, because we leave not this Monday but next, like the spiritual warfare like the, the, is unbelievable. Like it's been growing, and like life has become very difficult for me. I refer to it sometimes Like every once in a while. Like you have like what's called man PMS, where like you just have like a bad day as a man. You go, I, I'm just moody, and I don't know why. Those types of things for me have been like increasing as we've been going, where I go, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like why am I feeling this way? Like what's going on um, <laughs> that, that I can't necessarily put a finger on? As to what's going on, why I'm feeling this way. And it's been increasing as we've been getting closer to this, where just, you know, feelings of discouragement and just feeling down and unworthy, you know, and that's where I go. And we definitely want to go into this with a humble attitude, but it's it's beyond that. So your prayer
0: It's called pathological ministry syndrome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> your prayer would be greatly appreciated, not just for going to the assessment but moving forward and Uh, Because you know this, this I think this multiplication of our church planting a church is coming. It's coming.
0: Yeah. Well, the answer is yeah. You can use all that portable stuff, and you can use our building. And and uh, Marcy and I met with Matt and Emily last week for lunch, and one of the things I said to them is, um, we've never done this before, but we really want to do it, and we may make some mistakes. But uh, they have our full support for this, and we're excited for what God might do. Well, our time is way gone. Let me pray, and we'll let these nice people out of here. Lord, thank you so much for uh, this time. Thank you for your word that has has instructed us today. We Thank you for Matt and Emily and the lives that they have lived among us over these years. And, uh, Lord, we're confident in their giftedness and in their calling uh, in their heart for you. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would fill them with every blessing, material, spiritual, physical, that to accomplish the work that you've called them to. And, uh, Lord, we pray that uh, as they go to assessment next week that uh, they would get great, greater insight into themselves, greater insight into you and your plan for their lives, and uh, Lord, we just we want to say Amen in advance to the to the insight that you will give because we know that you will use it uh, to accomplish the work that you intend through them, uh, with regard to church planting and in all the days and years ahead. Lord, we thank you that you're growing your church here in Thurston County, and Lord, we we desire that LifePoint would become a, a real center for church multiplication, church planting, and so would you. Enable us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.